Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. This week, we take a look at a game that has a very specific genre in mind. One where weird-haired heroes get into giant robots to duke it out with the bad guys. Can this system macross into other genres? Or is it best left just having to be about Robotech? We'll answer these Gundam questions and more when we dive into Mechton Zeta on today's System Mastery. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to join once again in System Mastery. We're uh, we're diving into these old role-playing games, and normally I would be joined by Jeff, but he is on baby leave at the moment. And there's nothing normally about Jeff. Jeff is not a normal person. But as you can tell, I've got a guest on, and it's Claire, fan favorite Claire. Woo! Find me on my Insta, girls. Yeah! It's my Fan is that how you talk to your fan base on the internet now? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I mostly think how I talk to my fan base is, "What up? It's your boy Batman." Actually, mostly how you talk to your fan base is, "God, you people are idiots. Shut up." <laughs> that's not true. That's how our fan base talks to us. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be our last week with a guest. So congratulations, you get to. Uh, be the last one before Jeff comes back. I'm just going to set this place on fucking fire. <laughs> He's going to come back to just a flaming dumpster. Uh, good. Then he will feel right at home. Too late. <laughs> uh, so this week we had a a role-playing game that, honestly, uh, probably not the best fit for the two of us to be talking about. But that's okay, because now, again, I'm here to make people on the internet angry, and you will join me in that, because we're going to say a lot of things about anime that will make anime people very mad. Yeah. So, this is uh, Mechton Zeta, which is a role-playing game that is very anime, but is very specific anime. It very much wants to be a Macross Robotech Gundam, it's, it is a mech-based game. And for those of you who don't know what the fuck a Macross or Gundam is, giant robots. What's a Gundam? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> What's a battle? Uh, yeah, so in this one, not only is it very mech-focused, which we've done some anime stuff in the past. You were there for the Maid episode Yeah, as that's well. a real different feel of anime although i kind of we'll talk about this at the end of the game but maybe what we need is a crossover <laughs> it's 100 percent what we need it it may not be what we deserve but it's what we need yeah uh i have i'm gonna go ahead and say this right now i've never watched any episode at all of robotech macross gundam any of the classic big giant robo thing i think the only thing i've seen that is anime giant robos is evangelion i haven't even seen that so my frame of reference is pacific rim good i mean that's close enough you and rifts yeah i mean (laughs) have you have you seen voltron like at least that's semi in there i mean transformers kind of 
I mean, not really for the theme, but in that there are big robos that, yes. That turn into things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the game has the ability to do several things with the mechs. So the baseline is your standard, I am a giant man robo, and I have arms and legs, and I will stomp around and shoot guns. Right, I'm a dude in my in my cockpit of my giant bow rot. I'm going to stomp around, and there'll be lasers and missiles coming out of my ears and yeah, that's, all over the place. That's your standard one. And then the game also allows for uh, either being like, oh, I'm in a big robo-cat, or I'm just, I made a jet or a tank, or anything like that. But then it also has some transforming stuff. So if you want to do, I at least know the term is a Veritech is the, uh, the mech that goes from, I am a dude to, I am a jet. And then also has an in-between mode where you just sort of have the nose of a jet sticking out of your chest, like some kind of moron. Um, that's the latest fashion trend, I assume. Yeah, obviously that's, uh, on the runway at the Met Gala, you can find many a person with a nose cone of a jet coming out of their chest. The Mech Gala. Hey! Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, no, that's canon now. That, yeah. That'll be incorporated in my character. We'll talk about that. Oh, my God. Bonus content, y'all. <laughs> System history on Patreon. Go get it. Bonus content's going to be lit. Give us a dollar. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I, I have no real base like i have a bit of the anime zeitgeist to know that yeah. shit exists but nothing in particular so there may be references in here that i will talk about and not understand that are references yeah we'll go why did they do this thing and then someone in the audience will start writing a really angry comment they're to like us. well actually if you look in season three of robotag you'll see that and uh that's right fuck you anime fans <laughs> The only anime I like is big titty anime. But still give us a dollar. Still, though. I made a big titty anime. <laughs> Come look at my big titty anime. And, and, and by that, I mean, it's John's big titties that it's are in the anime. my big titties. They're in an anime now. They're very shaky. <laughs> yeah. They're rather hairy. Some people are into that. It's, it's fine. You can, you can get it if you go to the bonus content. <laughs> I will show you my tits. Don't lie to people. Actually, you know what? I'm going to use my cell phone and take a picture of your tits. We can't lie to them. We How have dare to you? now post a picture of your tits on the Patreon. <laughs> that's not happening. Anyone who's listening, that's not happening. Or is it? Give us $100 per episode and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Ray Liotta is the only one who gets to see my titties. Ray Liotta, if you're out there, and I know you haven't uh, subscribed to it yet, but get on that Ray Liotta level and you'll see my titties. He just he hasn't really decided yet. You know, he's concerned about the service charges through Patreon. He just doesn't know if he wants to be a part of that. Also, Patreon's really cracking down on the porn. Yeah. So I don't know if I want my sweet ass titties out there. Well, male nipples are always allowed. They're not obscene. As much as some of us may enjoy male oh, I'm, nipples. I'm pretty sure my nipples are obscene. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mecton Zeta. So, Mecton Zeta. <laughs> uh, it's... It's very interesting from a outsider perspective, on yes. this, I would say. And we should probably give some context. So, so Jeff and John have the policy of doing no research. I have no such policy. So I did do the extensive research of reading the Wikipedia article oh on this God. game. Oh my God, how dare you break our rules, I know. our so this, sacred rules. This is kind of a legit game. 
Um, this is what, like the second or third edition. It's from a gaming house that's done other games. So, I mean, it's like copy edited. Yeah. It's got art that doesn't completely blow. No, it, it has very like early 90s anime art type stuff where I absolutely hate that style. <laughs> there's because there's like the old style anime. And then the new style anime, and I'm sort of fine with that. But that, like, mid-level Robotech-type style of animation was just so bland, and everyone looked very samey. I just, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, in terms of the art quality, I was, I kept thinking of, because a lot of it is line art, so I was thinking, like, classic Rifts art, but, like, one notch below that (laughs) in terms of the quality. Yeah, and I understand that that is the sort of thing they were going for. So it's not like it's a knock against the art. It's just I don't like that style to begin with. So, eh. It won't distract you, at least. You know, it's not like crotches in your face like some Japanese-flavored games we've seen. (laughs) Hey, now. Crotches in your face is my favorite role-playing game. Be sure to look out on the micro RPG systems this year for <laughs> my new RPG.com. My new micro RPG, Crotches in Your Face. Rule number one, put your crotch in my face. The end. <laughs> Less than 200 words. Got it. Did it. Got him. Uh, so when you are making a character in this, it has one of my favorite things to see in any RPG, which is pages and pages of random tables yes and we should say that i've seen random tables that i don't enjoy and if it's like that dirt farmer simulator random tables where it goes you know you you grew up on a farm you grew one through two is turnips three through four is beets like i don't need that gritty european random tables but this is anime random tables so it's wacky shit (laughs) i i like having that in there uh it it gives you it's basically a hook generator for what goes on cuz most of the stuff that you're going to be rolling in here is fucking nonsense happened to your character in the back and either it'll be like oh my family is dead or missing or my you know siblings hate me or you know, my family used to be noble and now they're like disgraced or they were murdered and I'm trying to find their killer. I have a rival whose lover I accidentally killed in a tragic combine accident. Oh, and you have to have uh, some romance. Like no matter what, you've got a romance table you have to go on. So you can have things like either I'm in a good steady relationship or like, I'm currently on the prowl and I'm looking to go get some dates. Or, Single and ready to mingle. Or, you know, you can have a tragic love affair where sh- your lover died in a suspicious accident. You know, stuff like that. It's it's good. It gives you some interesting hooks, uh, lets you have stuff that your character can talk about. But it's also not so much of what your character is that... If you had a character in mind, that would preclude you from playing them. Right. So regardless of what your your character concept is, you know, maybe you want to be the hotshot mech pilot. Maybe you want to be like the scrappy engineer. 
okay, well, according to the random table, you have five siblings, four of them hate you, and one of them hero worships you. Okay, that works with any concept. Yeah, I mean, if you're like, oh, yeah, back in the day, uh, I have... I went out with someone and now they hate me and they're out to get me. It's like, I don't care what your concept was as a character. You can have some random anime person that's like, ooh, you, I loved you and now I hate you. This is the soap opera overlay, if you will. It's getting your interpersonal stuff and some of your personality and value stuff. And I like that because... There's so much hard, crunchy nonsense in this game that people who are attracted to this game are probably more drawn to that and might be the sort of people who would struggle to come up with the soap opera layer. But, like, you guys watch wrestling, okay? Don't act like you aren't interested in this kind of drama. That's right. Everyone who (laughs) listens to System Mastery is super into wrestling. Yes. Like, I feel like people either watch Days of Our Lives or they watch WWE, sometimes like if you were flipping through the channel you would stop at one or the other i mean in my mind exactly where's the where's the merge up i i'm gonna be uh real honest with you back when i was a kid my mom would watch days of our lives like that was one of the ones she would watch you know not the general hospital not any of the other ones just days of our lives i would during summers when i wasn't in school and she would be at home during the day I would watch that because it came on around lunchtime. So I'd have, you know, I'd come out, have like a sandwich, and she would be watching that. And I would sit down and watch it. And that shit is buck wild. Yeah. I yeah. fucking love Days of Our Lives. And in a way, it goes a lot. Soap operas go along really well with your youthful interest in comic books because, you know, there's evil twins, there's amnesia, there's retconning. It's oh, all yeah. the same shit. And it's, <laughs> I mean, the, the, fact that you have essentially these split episodes where like one day the episodes will be about like this group of characters and then the next day's episode will be about this different group of characters so you'll have this sort of layered back and forth and even though it takes a while for the plot to really do anything is there a plot yes (laughs) i mean each each character has their own fucking narrative going on and it's amazing because they're like any given character you'd be like what are they doing okay so they're angry at this and this is their goal and this is what they're striving to do this is the person in their way this is that and you're like okay in any other show they would be like either the protagonist or the antagonist and it would be about them but a soap opera's like 20 yeah. protagonists and antagonists <laughs> just butting heads on everything and it's glorious. It's the biggest most ridiculous RPG party ever. Oh yeah, it's, it's way too many people. The ST has no control. It's a ridiculous like con larp that has gotten out of control <laughs> is what the uh, soap operas are. So I like the random gen tables for this stuff because someone who just thinks I want to build Borat might struggle to come up with these kind of backgrounds that are important to the genre you know even the hotshot you know mech pilot or scrappy engineer is going to have some personal drama going on and these tables give you at least some seeds to start with yeah i mean even if you went in with like oh i know the character i want and sort of their background like oh i'm a kid and i grew up on the streets and then i uh, got into a mech academy because i'm just super talented in it and you have this whole like anime background just little things like your siblings or your friends friends or your lovers or things like that give you these little hooks that you might not have thought of when you were making your character. Because a lot of people tend to focus on what was my character doing 
And these tables are a lot of like, what is around your character yeah this table wants you to roll first of all how many siblings you have second of all the gender of each of your siblings third of all how each of them feels about you so uh, we'll talk about it in the bonus content but i got seven for numbers of si- siblings and i'm like no nah, man i'm no, not doing this I mean, seven times you can get between a zero and a seven siblings so congratulations on rolling max siblings <laughs> they was banging <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you do that, and then, of course, you have stats, like anything, but in this game, you make your character, so you'll have your, like, I am an anime, hello, good to meet you, (laughs) I am an anime. Big eyes, small mouth, blue hair, head like a bean. (laughs) Big eyes, small mouth, can't lose. (laughs) Uh, the making a regular dude... Or dudette table is uh, like, okay, very normal. If you've played pretty much any other game, then you would understand like, hey, it's a point by system. Uh, your stats go from 2 to 10. Put some points in your stats. Attractiveness, reflex. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. got your attractiveness, your body type, your cool, empathy, intelligence, which has a st- substat of education, which I'm going to get into and rant a bit. Uh, <laughs> luck, movement allowance, reflexes, and technical ability. The game assumes a six is average. That the average stat you should have in any given uh, thing is a six because you're going between two, two and, and ten. ten. The problem with this comes in the stat generation methods it gives you. The first one is just random characters, and it's roll a d10 for every stat, re-roll ones. Uh, so, Which, you know, not I'm, great. I mean, it. I don't like it because it is just straight down the line, roll a random number, and the problem with down the line random generated stats is that dictates what you are playing. Like, if I right. had in my mind, oh, I'm going to be like a super hot femme fatale. And then you're like, Oh, I rolled an attractiveness of three and in a cool of two and an empathy of five. You're like, Oh, I'm, I'm garbage at that. I can't do that anymore. Well, if you have an attractiveness of three, you just need to pump up your points into personal grooming and then use makeup to increase your sexual market value. Oh wait, no shit. I'm sounding (laughs) like an incel. Sorry. I'll stop. Oh no. Uh, but, so that's one of them. You can do it that way, and that should give you an average roll, Yeah, basically. Your, your average point total, like you'll probably average around six. Yeah, you should. I mean, the given for, especially because you're re-rolling ones, you should average around a six. But then, that's not the method that they recommend. No. What they recommend is that you roll 10d10. And that's your total points, and then you can allocate them as you please. But this does not lead to an average of, say, 60. Unfortunately, they say roll 10d10, but they don't say re-roll ones. Right. So the average on the 10d10 ends up being worse than random characters. Yeah, so you have control, but you give up. But then, I mean, it's 10d10, so it's so swingy anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they say, say if you roll 40. below yeah. 40, then just re-roll everything. But great, I got a 41. I suck at life, but I'm supposed to be a hero? Yeah, with 10 stats that you can put stuff in, if you're like, 
Oh, great. I rolled, even if you rolled fairly average, you're like, I rolled 50. I have below average in every stat. Great. Well, but, I mean, you can be the savant character. You know, if you wanted to be the hotshot mech pilot, you can pour points into reflex and cool and dump attractiveness and, I don't know, body. Because as long as you're in the suit, you're fine. Once you're in the mech, it don't matter. You can be spindly as fuck. You can do whatever. But the one that they call the cinematic characters is they're like, oh, this is best if you're going to use it for, like, NPCs or pre-generated PCs, stuff like that, is the one that actually makes sense. Because it's like, oh, if you're a basic NPC, like a standard NPC, uh, low-level grunt, is 55 points. Right, which is Basically what you're rolling on a 10d10. 10 10. 10. Right. <laughs> like, the, they say in here that what you are going to average roll for your concept character is a garbage grunt. Yeah, I feel like probably PCs on average should be better than scenery chump extras. Yeah, I mean, it goes above that. Average Joe is 60 points. Right. And then secondary character, someone who has just finished going through the life path, which is that random table of background stuff, should have 65. So I figure any normal character that you make should probably just be starting at 65. Right, but the one that they recommend is the... 10d10 method and throw it out if it's under 40. Yeah, their math on this is garbage, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't we just talking about that? Again, I said I was going to rant about education as a stat. Okay, come on. Come on. So education is the only sub-stat in this. So normally you might have like, oh, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh... (laughs) I'm not. I'm not going to dignify that. I'm sorry. It's it's that that Christian upbringing. I can't Son say this is my body. Man. Or if someone says like, "May the force be with you," I cannot do anything but think and also with you. <laughs> uh, but it's the only substat. But you still have to spend character creation points on it. Right. It never governs any of your rolls. So normally, the way rolling in this works, you take your stat. You take your skill, you take it all, and then you have the facts of life. You roll a d10, you add stat and skill together, and see if you beat the difficulty. Right, So, and, and this is a game where, with a given skill, you are only ever applying one of your stats. So if I have the skill of you know com, uh, combat piloting, mech piloting, I'm only ever going to roll that with, is it reflex? Reflexes. It's reflex, right. Um, So it's not a game where you can sort of mix and match stats and skills to get kind of different spins on things. It's always matched up the same like D&D. I mean, the the person running it could say like, oh, instead of doing attractiveness plus personal grooming, I'll have you do cool plus personal grooming because I want to make sure that you... Don't have armpit sweat right now. Oh, yeah. You're on the runway and you want to give them that, that good hard look (laughs) give him the blue steel right so you can always you know house roll things like that but what they're assuming will happen is that it's just one type of stat used with each skill they match up and there is nothing that calls for education no uh it in fact it even says that normally you would roll intelligence plus education as a general trivia skill so if it's something that wouldn't normally be under a skill 
It would just be like, oh, do you know the name of whatever this captain is who's coming in? And you could be like, all right, I'll roll intelligence plus education and see if I know who this person is. What's the capital of North Dakota? Oh, shit, I don't know. Is it Raleigh? No. No, that's North Carolina? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> Education. <laughs> Woo! Baby, I got an education of two. Uh, but the other thing education does is it adds to the skill points you get to spend. Skill points, when you go to spend them, are 10 plus your intelligence plus your education. Right. Which means... You have a minimum of 12, right? Because you have to have at least a two in intelligence, but you don't have to have anything in education. You do. It is a stat. Okay, so you so do you have, have to have, have a at least a two in it. No, no, oh, no, no, wait, no, it you says don't. You can have a one for grade school education, and to me that implies that you can have a zero, meaning you've never been yeah, to school I'll, a day in your life. A level of one is equal to grade school and that you are literate. Yes, so, <laughs> so you could be illiterate. You could be zero illiterate. Points. You could be an illiterate son of a bitch. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm going to say this. You probably should be because if, let's say you're going to spend six points per. You want to be average in everything. Six in intelligence and a six in education gets you 12 more points. However, a 10 in intelligence and a two in education gets you the exact same amount of points, but now you have a 10 whenever you're rolling for any intelligent-based skill. Right. The only, the only real benefit to education being a substat is that you could theoretically max both to 10 if you wanted to just be the big egghead. Oh, yeah. But if you were doing, say, six and six, you... Your general trivia knowledge also stays the same because you're still just 10 and 2. So no matter what, if you're going to allocate points, maximize whatever you're doing in intelligence, and then if you have points left over, put it in education. Or don't be a min-maxing bitch and assign your points based on your character concept. Or this is a bad design (laughs) because there's literally no incentive to do it. it. Pretty much the system incentivizes everyone to be a 10 intelligence and just not care about education at all. Correct. Yeah. Just just angry about it. I'm just angry the way the math works out. I'm also going to rant about the math and how difficulty works. I hate, I hate math problems is what I'm saying. We'll get to more math in a minute. Uh, Brought to you by English majors. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, this fucking podcast has made me... And, you know, RPGs in general have made me much better at math than anything in school. Oh, yeah. Uh, I went down the rabbit hole with Exalted and trying to understand the probability curves for various die pools in Exalted. (laughs) And then it has this extra layer of complexity because a 10 is two successes. And I'm like Googling binomial distributions and stuff and trying to learn how to do this. So eventually I went on to take statistics and learn even more about that. But, uh, But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Math. Math. It, Not even It's once. what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the difficulty chart for things is generally a 10 is easy. A 15 is your standard baseline. Most of the things you are doing that is an average difficulty is 15. And then a 20 would be difficult. And then it goes on 25 and 30. Which is very you know, D&D-esque, just to refer again to sort of the classic touchstone. I always think about the DC-10 being bears live in caves. So really, you <laughs> should be able to... Bears live in the woods! <laughs> you should be able to get that DC-10. Does a bear shit in the woods? I don't even know. The problem with that 
again, yes. that I will get into now, is the numbers only work out to be like that if you assume the person has pretty much maxed uh, the starting level of points into a skill. Right. Uh, most of their difficulty levels are sort of assuming a six in a stat and at least a four in skill. Right. If you had a six in the stat and a four in the skill, then you would always be able to do DC 10 things regardless. Of well, yeah. And an, and an average roll would be pretty much 50 50. Mm-hmm. So once you get up into something that is difficult, though, my favorite thing is they have an example that is uh, one of the players is having problems with their mech and they want to try and fix it while they're out in the wilderness. So they have a technical ability of eight. Which is super above average. Very good. Eight out of ten. Uh, a jury rig of five, which is better than adequate, which is sort yeah, of that's considered like pretty much. I put as much skill. points into that to start with as I probably should. Right. Uh, and rolls a d10 and gets a six, which is above average. Yeah. Uh, his result number is nineteen, and he fails because it was a difficult roll. <laughs> and I'm just looking at that, going like, "Fuck me." Your example thing is a guy invested very heavily in a skill and rolled well. He failed. And I'm like, Welcome mother, to Rifts. Motherfucker. <laughs> this very much reminded me of Rift skills, the way that you are just bad at everything and will fail at least half the time at tasks that you would really like to succeed at. Oh, yeah. A starting Rifts character is like, I succeed 32% of the time. I have I- a last gun. I don't know. Hello. I- I'd like to prowl. No. Okay. Can I take 20? <laughs> nope. You can give me $20 mm, on Patreon and then see John's titties. <laughs> Damn titties. Uh, yeah. The skills, though, because you get so few points, like the fact that that person had a five in jury rig means that even if they invested fairly heavily as well in the intelligence education thing, they could have like four, five stats at a five or skills at a five and then zeros in everything else. Yeah, so you can either sprinkle one or two points all over the place or you really specialize in a few, but you can't be good at very many things. No, you can't really be great at much. Like you can get, like I said, a five and probably about four things if you really want to specialize and go no but i really want to do that the sad part is they have enough skills that that's really difficult to do Mm -hmm. and they split mecha skills off from regular ones so if i have hand to hand and i put two points in there because i want to be able to you know scrap a little bit then mecha hand to hand is a different skill but mecha has like Mecha fighting and mecha gunnery and mecha melee and, and mecha highly hiney ho. Yes, and mecha lecha high, mecha, mecha hiney ho. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> and it it ends up being if I wanted to be a hotshot mech pilot, and I'm like, okay, well, I have to put five points into mech piloting because that's just moving it around. Yeah, that's just being able to make your mech move. And let's say I want to be able to shoot guns because that's cool. 
Uh, great, that's mecha gunnery. Now, we're doing a Robotech-type thing, so obviously I have too many missiles. Well, <laughs> mecha missiles is its own skill. Okay, and uh, mecha melee is its own skill. Which is different from mecha fighting, so if you wanted to use a big sword, that's different from punching something. Yeah, there are five skills that you would really want to be your fully featured mech combat ace, or at least competent. So even if you just put a two in each of those, that's ten skill points eaten up right there, and you have very few left to distribute to anything else. It, yeah, it basically means that the character you make is either going to be like, hey, I min-maxed to be a mech pilot, and I decided I don't punch, I don't swing a weapon, all I do is shoot, so I could at least make like pilot and gunnery and maybe missiles be at five, and then I sprinkled a few points elsewhere. For and, flavor. And at that point, you're like, great, so I'm a mech pilot, and... I'm completely terrible at everything else in life. And to me, this is a design flaw because what it's telling you in the fluff of the book is that it wants you to be able to move among these sort of different settings that it wants you to have stories that are at the person to person level where you're just walking around and interacting with other people. And it's about your family and your girlfriend, but it also has all of this mech drama, spaceships, you know, missiles. So in order to have sort of per street level skills shall we say but also mech level skills you kind of can't do both well so you can either be bad at everything or good at one thing and then completely useless in the other game setting milieu yeah and it's especially bad when you look at if you want to be anything that isn't just specifically a mech pilot and yet still participate right so if i was like oh i want to make a cool like tech head mech engineer guy and you know he also has a mech and i'm gonna buy it like a little tiny arm so we can do like on the fly repairs on other mechs mm. so i'm like oh i'm i'm like a cool support guy except if you've put enough points into being an engineer that it's useful you're Basically just garbage and shouldn't be in a mech to begin with because all the points you're going to put into being a mech pilot are like, I've got a two at piloting. I know how to find the go button. Wee! I want to turn around. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, it it's very sad because it makes you choose between the two modes of this game. Yeah. And I don't feel like... I feel like there should have been a... These are points you can give to mech-based things, yes. and then whatever else. If this is a mech game, and you also want people to be good at non-mech things, then you have to have two separate point pools. Yeah. Because min-maxing bastards like John will choose one or the other. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And I mean, I'm going to say in the bonus content when I make my character, I really did put points into other stuff. Right. But I chose the one thing you can do that lets you do that, which is the game makes you pick a progression path. Right. So, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about sort of the character templates, which is the next thing after you pick your skills, where you can either be the professional or the rookie. Yeah. So either uh, you are the character that's like, I am the established, like I'm the sensei, I am the commanding officer. The grizzled I'm, veteran. Yeah, I'm the guy who has been around and is already badass. So, you know, I'm the established hero. 
Or you can be the rookie and you are the young up-and-coming protagonist of whatever this anime is. Uh, the professional lets you... It lets you choose how many you want to do, but <laughs> fucking again, there's no reason not to maximize this. All right. Uh, you start baseline 16 years old once you do all of your background roles. For every two years up to the maximum of age 30... You can pick a skill package as a professional, uh, and it's just a profession that you were doing during that time period. So that's seven of these packages. Right? So you can do up to seven, and there is no reason not to be 30. Right, because the the quote-unquote penalty or the supposed trade-off of picking the professional over the rookie is that, I guess it was saying later on when you earn experience, you earn experience more slowly because yeah. you're already experienced. But so, I don't think it was like... If you had two years of professions versus ten years of professions, it's the same speed, right? Yes. Uh, the game says that rookie characters earn double XP. Just flat out. So if you are a professional and you don't take all seven packages, you are just screwing yourself over for no reason. Right. Uh, I mean, there is the possibility of maybe messing yourself up because in addition to... Uh, picking one of the things. So you might be like, oh, I picked, uh, you know, computer geek or politician or uh, scientist or whatever. You can also pick things that are dangerous occupations. So things like soldier or gang member or mecha jock or what have you. And for every uh, package that you get, you have to roll on another life path. Which, if it's a dangerous profession, it has a different chance of shit going wrong than if it's a not-so-dangerous profession. Right, so if you spent um, two years as a fashion model and two years as a fashion journalist, you're going to roll for things like, did you get a girlfriend while you were doing this? And did you, you know, have some exciting things happen to you? But if you do gang member, it's going to be like, did you lose an eye? Yeah, and I mean, there are, you can have... Uh, like an accident or something that's bad happen in the not dangerous professions. Right. It's just like dangerous profession. You have an accident is an eight through 10, whereas not so dangerous is just 10. I mean, you know, tragic accident at the copier happens. Yeah. You, you know, you lose some, legs in Xerox machines all the time. Sometimes, sometimes you just, you can't get it. You're kicking it cause it's not working and it just grabs on. So uh, each profession gives you, uh, five skill points, but it's one in each of five different things. It tells you seven different skills. You pick five to get a plus one in, and that's it. So overall, you'll get basically 35 extra skill points. Which is awesome. It is amazing, considering that is way more than double what you would normally get. Right, as the rookie, you get like... Seven. Seven points. <laughs> yeah. The rookie, you just pick a archetype. Right. You can be, you know, the big lug or the girlfriend or... I'm sorry. It says boyfriend, girlfriend. It's trying to be gender neutral, but dispensed with very quickly. And we go right back to the assumption that it's a male protagonist with a cute girlfriend waiting for him. I will say this. Jeff isn't here, but I did check for the seduction rule. <laughs> it is gender neutral. It's... Just, you are seductive, and that is all. It okay. doesn't say uh, opposite sex. It doesn't have anything like that. Gay anime, let's do it. Oh, hell yes. I mean, obviously, it's 
time for Big Yowie Mech Men. <laughs> uh, coming this fall, Big Yowie Mech Men. <laughs> that would make not a lot of money. That would Sorry. make uh, several dollars. <laughs> Yeah, there is a very there's a very niche market that would pay for that. Uh, let's get the Kickstarter going. Let's do it, guys. I'm here to talk to you about Big Yowie Mech Men. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you pick the the rookie, then yeah, you only get seven more points, and it tells you where those points go to based on what you pick. So if you pick anime hero, then you just get the points that they give it to you. You can't be like, oh, I want points in whatever. They're like, no, this is what you get. This yep. is the package. So you don't really have choices at that point. Uh, you do get more money and equipment as a rookie. Uh, as a professional, you end up getting, I think it's about 14 D10 credits. Right. So I like my bonus character rolled and they got like 92. Woohoo! Uh, but mine got 400. Yeah. Ah! As any of the ones that are like, oh, I'm the girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm not actually like super powerful. They're like, great, here's 400 bucks. Also, you get a whole bunch of possessions and stuff like that. Yeah, I I particularly loved that one of the things, and again, pretending to be gender neutral, but clearly obviously female tropes, the boyfriend slash girlfriend character, one of their possessions is a very sexy outfit that they are too shy to wear. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's talking about a banana hammock, John. Well, in Big Yowie Mechman, <laughs> boy, howdy is it. Yeah. They're very shy. <laughs> a, it's just a big, shy man. Very hairy. Hairy titties. Doesn't want to put his titties <laughs> up on star. Patreon. <laughs> hairy titties starring in Big Hi, Yowie Hi, I'm Harold Titties. <laughs> it's pronounced today. Uh, but yeah, you get... Double the XP, though I was, again, doing some quick napkin math. Mm. And the most dangerous kind of math. Yeah. <laughs> the XP progression is it costs more per point the higher the skill is. Right. So given that, a professional could much more easily have a higher than five and a larger range of skills. Correct. Which is appropriate. But what it means is the amount of XP it would take before you at least leveled off and were the same as them Mm. would be... You'd pretty much have to be playing at least once a week, every week, for a year before you ended up being... About the same as the professional, as the rookie. So one should assume in a game that combines with rookies with professionals, this is a power mismatch party. Yeah. And that, I mean, it is an anime thing to be like, oh, I'm the established person. I'm better than you. Uh, But the story will generally more often focus on the, the newcomers and their struggles. Right. So you could look at it as... You know, if you pick the professional, then you're also saying, I'm not the protagonist of the story. But that's an outside game mechanics. Yeah, and they they give examples of, here are some people we would consider professionals and people we consider rookies. And the rookie is Luke Skywalker and the professional is Han Solo. So Luke Skywalker is the protagonist. Han Solo is sort of the first buddy. Yeah, he's there and he's... 
He's a badass. He's already established as being a badass. He's got a cool gun and ship and friend, and he's got a whole background to him. And Luke Skywalker's like, I'm a whiny bitch. And then eventually he becomes a rad Jedi. Right. Luke Skywalker's bad at everything at the beginning. Yeah. But has an interesting story going on. And so that's pretty much what they're looking at. Now, in addition to making your character, it also has making a mech. Oh, Jesus. If making a character is one of those things where you're like, oh, I can sit down and I get it. It's just some point by and you put your points into whatever you want to do and it's very simple. Once you're done doing that on like a piece of scrap paper, it is time to get out the calculator and the Excel spreadsheet yeah. that is making a mech. Yeah. I attempted to do it on paper and went through many pages, which are completely incomprehensible to me. By the time I had reached the bottom of the page, I had no idea what the notes at the top of the page meant anymore. <laughs> I mean, it is very much like uh, when we reviewed Car Wars. Yes. is like, oh, you can make a guy, but that doesn't matter. Here's where the real crunch of the game is. And you're like, oh, fucking hell. I have to know for each section of my mech's body. Torso, arms, head, leg, and and left leg, right leg, left arm, right arm. Oh, yeah. Like, if I really wanted to, I could go straight up like, my left arm is a super light, and my right arm is a mega heavy, and it just looks really weird. Big beefy arm. Big beefy arm on there. Uh, if I wanted to give him a tail, I could do that. I could make and him why a, wouldn't you? a dragon. Yeah. Or dragon man. <laughs> I bet he was just a dragon. Uh, but each one has its own cost based on... Uh, how heavy of a system it is. Right. Well, there's sort of two kinds of cost, right? There's a cost that is not really given in terms of money, but is sort of like the amount of resources that are devoted to creating the mech. But then there's another thing that you have to keep in mind, which is weight. Well, yeah. You, well, there's more than that because there's also space. Yes, there's spaces too. Yeah, no, there are video games like this now. What is that game that uh, y'all have played? Star Drive? Is that what that's yeah. called? Where you're building spaceships. Uh-huh. Very similar to this in terms of, of you know, having you have to choose But your, in that like, one, a computer got... does the math well, for yes, you. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That this is ahead of its time. <laughs> you don't want to be doing this on paper. You want to be doing this on a computer. Like, if this RPG came with a program that you put on your computer and it it was like, make a mech and I'll do all the calculations for you. I, I would go, great, that sounds awesome. And Thanks, game. Print out the character sheet when you're done and you're good to go. But in this, it's like, all right, you have a certain amount of character points to spend on making your mech. So anywhere between like, you know, 50 and 600, if you want to have one that's like, 600 would be like, I am a robot that fights the entire Imperial Armada by myself. <laughs> like, that's basically Voltron. Voltron goes out and is a 600-point mech. And this, I feel like, as, a, as a, a DM, this is where you would really want to, even if you allowed your characters to be like some rookies, some professionals, I feel like you would want the the resource level of the mechs to be similar. Like, hey, guys, your mechs can be within 100 or 150 points. Oh, yeah. I mean, it gives you a range of like, oh, if you're going to spend below 100 points, then it's probably the, like, 
grunt level mecha where infantry these are, mech. Yeah, these are mass produced mechs, which is a hilarious concept in and of itself. Well, yeah, but I mean that's <laughs> it's a Samus based economy. <laughs> <laughs> I have three point two million mechs, uh, but. You know, it goes up from there, so you can be like, oh, if you go above 100, then it's like the officer quality mech, and these are special, like, quality, high-demand designer mechs. And then going up from there... Got that leather seats. Oh, shit, yeah. That rich Corinthian leather. (laughs) And then going up from there is pretty much like, we found an ancient alien tech... And we are using it, and we could not manufacture this. Right, or or all of the nation's resources went into creating this one Jaeger, I mean mech. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is your, your point spread. But you have to pick between, like, 12 different types of weight for things. So, like, oh, my, my torso could be... You know, light or super light or a striker or a medium striker. Or heavy. I could be armored heavy or mega heavy. And there's just a shitload of things, all with different costs, all have a different number of spaces in them, all have a different number of hit points, which this game has its own version of mega damage. Yes. Which I like. Yeah. It's for mechs, you have what are known as kills. In standard combat, you have just hits. So like, oh, I I connect and I do four hits worth of damage. To your head. Because it's like all called shots. Oh, yeah. Well, everything is, you know, where did you hit randomly on a table? In mechs, you do kills, and kills are 25 hits per kill. Right. So, so pretty much any weapon on a mech is appropriately going to vaporize a person. Oh, yeah. A dude and will just die. Any attack that a person has with a person-level weapon is not going to hurt a mech. Yeah. If you are a dude... Maybe if you have, like, I've got a rocket launcher, then maybe you can do, like, a kill. Ping. You're like, hey, I felt that. Uh, so you have to worry about your sort of skeleton is what you do first, and you pay, like, per arm and per leg, and if you want wings or a tail or whatever you want. The word servo appears in this book eight million times. Yes. Because all of your base level things are servos, and then what gets attached to them uh, will go off of how many points of space you have. Right. So maybe my striker class arm has five spaces. And so I could put a beam sword, which takes up three spaces. And then maybe I could have like a light laser rifle, which takes up two spaces. And now I've filled up the five spaces of my arm. And that arm has the two weapons. Yeah. Then my other arm. <laughs> it's... It is a lot of keeping track of spaces on every single, like, torso, head, arm, whatever. But then you also have the options for things like put multiple things on one arm and then get a system that links them so you can shoot both at the same time. And <laughs> there, it is fucking abominable. I'm going to say that right now. This is a system that should have its own program. Right. This is a really interesting system that has a potential to be rich and complicated and have lots of ways to do interesting things with it and lots of ways to create specialists who are better at some things than other things and the strategy, like do I want the same weapon on both my arms or different on the left or the right because what if someone knocks one of my arms off? Um, 
but I don't want to do this with a pencil and paper. <laughs> yeah. And also, there's a point where it talks about the cost for thrusters. So mm-hmm. the thruster cost is you choose what you want your movement allowance to be. So it's like, how fast do you want this thing to be able to fly? You have to take your total tonnage in weight and multiply it by whatever speed you want to go. And this goes out to four decimal places. Yeah, as soon as you, like, I prefer integers in my games, let's be real. If we go to one decimal place, like, there's another point where it says that your your stability score is your cool times 2.5 rounded down. I thought that was dumb. What an innocent, sweet summer child I was on page 17, because by the time we got to page 100 and we were multiplying by 0.375. Oh, yeah. You get... And then also multiplying by 0.35 again, and then also multiplying by 0.1 again. Oh, my God. You get to like, oh, I want to move allowance of 13. What do I do then? Oh, you're multiplying it by 0.4875. Right. And then also, if you want the ability to transform into a car, then you have to multiply by 0.35 again on top of that. Oh, yeah. But if, but you, if want you want a power a, plant. If you want a hot that... power plant, you can deduct multiplying it by 0.1. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> it's, it's too much shit. I know that there are going to be people, the same type of people that love car wars, the same type of people that love to just get into weird ridiculous crunch that are like oh i want to sit down with a piece of paper and a calculator and i want to make a slide rule jesus oh yeah (laughs) it's just so much and you have like then stats that are based on it so your mecha has its own reflex and based on your tonnage you have a penalty to your maneuver value and i really really hope that someone on the internet like on rpg net or something has created a awesome Excel spreadsheet where you just kind of fill things in like that. That exists for so many games where it'll figure out all the modifiers modifiers for you and everything. Oh, yeah. Someone surely has to have created this. This is the kind it. of game that would attract that person. So listeners, if you find it on the internet, <laughs> John will show you his titties <laughs> <laughs> link to it in the comments. Uh, there's, so much crap in this. And I mean, we've we've gone for a bit now, but there's a ton of nonsense. Well, then there's the whole here. starship thing. We didn't even freaking get into that that there's actually three levels of combat. There's and interactions. There's sort of person-to-person interactions and person-to-person combat. There's mech-to-mech combat, and then they give you rules for building friggin' dreadnoughts in space. Yeah, you can build your own starships and then you have starship combat. And boy howdy, I just could no, not eyes care less. glazed right over like the yeah, no, I had to put the baby to sleep. Did not read those pages in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> this game is trying to do too much, and it's a shame, because I feel like what this book really does well, first of all, is introducing people who aren't super familiar with anime to the tropes of anime and helping them get into the mindset to create anime characters and anime plots. Excellent at that. Yeah, it, it does a good job of explaining what the assumptions of the setting are. Right. So, you know, what is a Japanese hero and how is that different from a Western type hero? Well, a Western type hero is probably a badass at everything, but anime heroes often start out sort of neurotic and weak and flawed. And then we watch them develop into someone who's a badass. Yeah. Um, and the villains are always there's supposed to be a lot of pathos and sympathizing with the villain and just explaining all of these, these themes that you find in anime and then the mech creation is really rich and robust and interesting <laughs> if you're That's that a way to put it. kind of person. And then the space stuff to me was completely superfluous. 
did not add to the game at all, was not what I was looking for here. I would love to see maybe a different game that was about space fighters and dreadnoughts and anti-grav rules and stuff like that, but it just didn't go with the other two sections to me. Well, it's so focused on one type of thing, but then also the anime it wants to be is like, oh yeah, the... the uh, what is it, SDF-1 or the U- something SS UHF. Yamoto. <laughs> There's, there are, most of the animes are like, oh, we've got a capital ship that's very important to this. Right. So the idea of that, like, big capital, this is where you keep your mechs. And... But do you need to stat it out? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I understand that you wanted to have that be an integral board an integral part of your setting because of the anime that you're basing this on. But I, I also need to let you know that don't do that. You've tried to shove too many things into your game and now you can't do it all. You have dug too greedily and too deep and your readers are falling asleep. The Balrog has come out and it wants me to know all about its half-elf bard. <laughs> Uh, it does have, uh, towards the back of the book, it has a setting information for if you want to use their setting. Yeah, there's two settings. One is just sort of a standard, like, oh, it's another planet with a tech lever that level that's slightly higher than Earth. And, you know, there's different factions on the planet, and they're kind of jockeying for power. And then the second one was kind of the same, but more like outer space-ish. Like well, yeah, ships. the other one was... Uh, there was a uh, big invasion that happened and the aliens that existed had been at peace for so long they didn't know or didn't have the resources ready to fight them. And so they went, hey, humans, you're all fucking all about combat. You want to come join us in space? And they, the humans were like, uh, yes, obviously we want to murder aliens. Duh. I mean, we're so sick of murdering each other. So... That one has like, oh, and then a Just grand... kidding, we never get sick of murdering each other. That's true. Well, yeah, because that one has like, oh, they established the first human empire, and then there's infighting, and they blow themselves up, and then a thousand years later, someone is making the second empire of man. <laughs> oh, it's the same idea, it's the same idea. <laughs> so, you know, you've got a couple different ways you can go with it. It's got some optional rules for... Uh, did you want to create an alien race? Uh, did you want to make psionic people? Well, now, it's very careful to specify that your aliens have to be fuckable. <laughs> there is a whole paragraph about how you don't, you won't see aliens in animes that are like weird slugs or bugs or anything. Oh, no, it's always just like blue humans. <laughs> there always has to be some capacity for the protagonist to fall in love with an alien. And by fall in love, I mean bang. Now, to me, to say, no, the first thing I thought when it said... Well, you know, you don't. It's not like you want some slug-like alien. Your protagonist wouldn't have sex with that. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, what if? Obviously, did? <laughs> you've not been on the internet. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of nonsense in this. Uh, I mean, the the GM advice is good. I liked it a lot. It was fairly succinct. It was I don't know, maybe ten or twenty pages of kind of generalized advice about. You know, if you've never run a game before, how do you create an episodic narrative? How do you have a plot that still gives your players some freedom, but you're nudging them towards the plot points that you want them to hit? Um, because you don't want to railroad them, but you also just can't let them do whatever they want. That's crazy talk. Um, <laughs> 
and it's just good, generally applicable. Like, I would recommend that you read this chapter regardless of what game you were trying to run. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. You can tell that, uh, I mean, like we mentioned before, the writer's very good at knowing the genre they want to do, explaining that, explaining how to play in that. And even gradations within the genre. It talks about the serious tone, the light tone, the medium tone that you'll find in different animes. Gives examples, which obviously John and I have no idea what the fuck they're talking True. about. <laughs> But, but that's important to understand. A lot of books don't talk about tone of your game. Mm-hmm. It kind of assumes that they're writing in a certain tone, and so you and your players are going to settle on that. And I think a lot of particularly newer game masters aren't prepared for a tone mismatch, where you want to run a serious game and your players are making fart jokes. How do you handle that? Or half your players are making fart jokes and the other half are like, so grimdark. <laughs> like, do you even recognize what's going on? Or are you just or frustrated? Or it's like the GM is trying to run a goofy fun punch him up and all of your players are like i have a tortured past i need to talk to you about my man pain uh the uh, excuse me person pain this game is gender neutral my my personage pain uh i think i think we've about wrapped her up do you uh you want to get into the the best and the worst of this game for you sure uh, best thing I think is the, the DM advice, I think was probably the standout for me that I felt it was great, even totally detached from the game. Yeah. All right. What about you? Uh, my favorite thing is almost assuredly going to be the random tables for making your character. Oh yeah. Love uh, it. Love bo- it. Both the background ones and the ones for professional give you like, oh, while I was doing whatever job, this happened. And so it gives you like, oh, this is a, a new NPC that can show up. This is a new way that my character can interact. So it's not just, oh, I got five skill points. It's I have something that occurred while doing this. Right. Again, more plot hooks. Yeah. It's it's a wealth of plot hooks. It is an, an embarrassment of riches. A bushel of plot hooks. Would you say... It's a plethora of products. <laughs> yes, El Wabo. You have a plethora. Do you know what a plethora is? No, El Wabo. <sighs> so, worst thing in the book for you? Oh, God. Um, definitely the whole spaceship building section. I just, I had expended so many of my willpower points reading the mecha creation (laughs) section i did not have anything left to read the spaceship creation section and just sort of skimmed through it because again i feel that thematically it just doesn't go with the other and i realize that there are animes that combine all those elements but it's it's games trying to do too much yeah and especially given that you don't have enough points to be even particularly competent in like an area having three areas to worry about. And that just increases the possibility that you have characters in your party who can't be in the same scene together. This is a problem with games that uh, end up incentivizing specialization like this, that, you know, if your plot is supposed to be taking you to um, the mech ball to try to do some intrigue there, but then later on you're going to be in a mech fight, and then later on maybe you're going to be in a space fight, maybe you have one character who's good at social, and the other two sit there with a thumb up their ass. You have one character who's good at the mech, and then the other two sit there with a thumb up their ass. And then you have the, the space pilot. So you end up with that... 
to me, unfortunate and unpleasant situation where a lot of your players are sitting around not doing anything. And when combat takes as long as it does in this game, we did not even touch on that. It's very wargamey. There's like 17 steps to combat to figuring out how to resolve an attack. Your combat's going to take a long time. So if some of your characters are not able to participate in combat, whether it's mech combat, hand-to-hand combat, space combat, they have nothing to do. And there will be a half an hour or an hour of them just being bored or looking on their phone, disengaged from the game. And I consider that a design flaw. Yeah, as do I. Uh, And I would say my least favorite thing really is, I mean, like you touched on, I feel like the granularity in here is sort of okay, but I feel like the math got fucked up. I mean, I ranted a lot on the points for stats and skills and things like that, I feel like any game that has this split is just begging for either min-maxing or players being butthurt about something because... (laughs) Well, that's always going to happen. Well, I mean, when you look at something like the difference between the professional and the rookie, on paper, you're like, oh, this is a really interesting concept of, you know, the established character versus the up-and-coming hero. The fast XP, the slow XP. But for six months to a year, your rookie sucks at life and your professional is way better at everything. (laughs) And the the problem with that is if you're talking about doing a one-shot or anything like that... You're definitely only going to want to be the professional. But if you did plan on doing a campaign on this, once you've gone past that point where the rookie ends up exceeding the professional, at that point, the professional is just going to start sitting there going, man, I... I'm not doing anything anymore. See, I would house rule that the XP would equalize at that point, personally. That once the rookie had caught up, then the XP gain would be the same if it was going to be a long game. Meh. I could see that. But that's not written. That's not rules no, as written. No, that is not rules as written. In, in the same way that the rules really want you to roll 10d10, which is garbage. <laughs> as we shall find out. In the and, bonus content, give us money. <laughs> I mean, I know that one of the things that we get accused of or assumed a lot about Jeff and I is that we prefer rules light systems because we rag on games like this that are super crunchy and complex right and crunchy is fun but it's just more opportunities to fuck something up well i and hence get ragged on by jeff and john my deal for the crunch that i prefer because i'm not going to say that the uh the mech creation in this or car creation in car wars or anything like that is bad but it's not the crunch that i want i love a crunchy game but i want the crunch to come where it's not at the expense of other things. Like, it yes. gives me an interesting choice rather than a math problem. Yes. Like, you look at something like uh, D&D 4E or Exalted or any of the crunchier games that I've played and enjoyed, and it's you have an interesting choice at any given point of what do I want? What am I giving up to have that? But... Can I still do certain things? You can, uh, you know, kind of dip into certain roles or have certain aspects of your character that you will focus on more than others, but still be able to do things. It's, right. it's a lot of crunch and a lot of rules, but it's interesting choices rather than 
at the very beginning of the game, I did math better than you, yeah, and get, so I am better than get you. Get a goddamn spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, I think that's my deal with crunch, is I want crunch that is interesting rather than just a calculator. Yep. So, there you go. Uh, would you play Mechton Zeta? I would if there were some restrictions on the beginning to kind of avoid the problems I talked about. Like, this is another thing I like about the DM section, that it talks explicitly about the challenge of how do you form your party in the beginning? What's your sort of setup for the story? So are you going to tell a story where they're all new recruits at the mech training facility? Great. That's a great way to set up the game because everybody's going to have sort of a similar age, similar background. I mean, you know, different backgrounds, but they're all in the same place for the same reason. They all have similar goals. Um, they're going to be at a similar power level and they're going to be engaging in similar types of combat activities so they can all be together. So if it was a game like that, where it was, you know, we're all in the revolution and we're all mech pilots, that would work fine for me. That would work great. And then you and I also talked about a potential house rule of creating the Voltron, <laughs> where you had a team on the mech instead of just one dude. That, that is would what be I fun. I really wanted to have a a rule for that in this. I mean, you can have extra room in your cockpit for people. But they baseline. just sit on your lap. That's the hysterical oh, they... part. It explicitly says that if an extra person is in your mech, they have to sit on your lap. Well, no. there <laughs> You can buy with space in your head. You can buy extra passenger room. But it doesn't do anything. They don't have controls. They just hang out. Right. What I wanted was something that allowed other characters to do stuff like if i make an engineer type i can be in the mech and so like the leg takes a hit and starts malfunctioning the engineer has something to do mid combat to like run into the leg and start repairing the gears and servos and whatnot while you're trying to maneuver the mech that gives you something to do uh and the book does mention apparently there is a mechton zeta plus where they do have combining mechs, so you can Voltron in, if you buy the deluxe edition. <laughs> Day one DLC. Fuck you, game. <laughs> uh, and I would... I'd probably play this again... If I had the spreadsheet to build the mech, or if my DM built the I, mech for me. <laughs> I I feel like the DM handing out mechs is probably a better idea because if someone if you say like hey you've got 100 points to spend on a mech and one person's like i did dumb things <laughs> and the other person's like i am a wizard at math and i made <laughs> the best possible thing i could with 100 points then you want to have especially if you're doing like the this is the grunt level manufactured mechs yes and if you're doing that sort of plot where it's like you're all ensigns in the mech strike force you're yeah, all you're just all learning mech you all have the exact same level of mechs maybe slightly different like this is a support class this is a heavy but they're all kind of uniform in design that would be perfect pre-gen mech yeah. situation i feel with enough with enough of a like work on it like if your your gm was really into like okay i've got pre-generated mechs for people to be in uh, I've decided on rules, like everyone's going to be professionals or everyone's going to be rookies, so you don't have to worry about that weird split, then I would I would play it. It's got a... I mean, the add two numbers and roll a d10 is a simple enough system. Sure. So, yeah, both so, both conditional wood plays. 
Yeah, but then combat gets ridiculous, particularly the mech combat, because it's like, oh, well, there's your ablative armor, and then there's your other armor, and then there's evade. You know, too many things. Tell me if I fucking hit or not. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for listening. We will uh, be doing more of this in the bonus content. We're going to dive deeper into the actual characters that we made. And we both made characters in different ways, so we'll see what worked and what didn't. Yeah, we, we did... A few different things in character creation. We also made mechs. So, by God, we really hurt ourselves for your enjoyment. <laughs> I'm going, John, do I have to keep statting this out? Yes. Uh, so we've got that. If you want to listen to that, just go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. Support us at a dollar or more, and you get access to that bonus content. And, of course, if you listen to it or other shows, uh, Expounded Universe, if you're at the $2 or more level, you unlock the bonus content for that. Uh, you can find all of our shows, everything we do, SystemMasteryPodcast.com, and we are System Mastery on Twitter, Facebook, at Gmail, r slash System Mastery on Reddit. Anywhere you want to find us, get a hold of us, let us know how stupid about anime do we are. Do you guys get on that Insta yet? I think you need to. No, oh. we aren't. We aren't hot chicks that are popping booties. We do not need to be on the Instagram. You could pop the booties. The booty. We could show dim titties. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we will, of course, be back in a couple of weeks with more System Mastery. And with Jeff. And with Jeff back after his babies, his, his many babies, 400 babies <laughs> that he has had. And uh, <laughs> until then, you have a good one. 